Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Big Neil? It's another glorious day, Lance. We're excited in the, the steaming heat here in the western suburbs of Minneapolis. Hot, obviously, because of the Steelers' performance through two preseason games leading into the final tune-up before the start of the regular season. Optimism surrounding the Steelers hasn't been higher in, uh, you tell me, seven, eight years, I'd say, minimum. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say since prime killer bees. Uh, I think it's 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 palpable. I think the entire Steeler Nation is excited, and I'm hearing that it's uh triple digits up in Minnesota. Wow, it's damn hot. Seriously, I I I was out early. Um, early riser guy uh, did the workout thing early this morning. Um, temperature outside literally was like 85 degrees. Heat index was like 93 at like 5 a.m. Nice. Nuts. I mean, it gets every two three years you'll get triple digits of, of air temperature here and it'll be above 90 for you know decent chunk of the summer but it doesn't it, you know with, with the heat index and everything it's up to like 110 115 it's, it's sauna like and we really don't get a whole lot of that it's terrible well to 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 fight that heat we're going to try to give you a cool show cool you down with with the optimism surrounding the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big up to Ollie Howard Species 5618. Thank you to the program. Big up to Marcus J. Big up to everybody joining us this morning. If you want to join the program live, you can go to YouTube, do a search for the new standard. Also, you can catch us via podcast by whatever podcast feeder you use, do a search for the new standard. That was better because I always get the podcast feeder stuff wrong. And one thing I want to I want to mention the title of the show. One man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. So I want to give credit to my brother who came up with the idea of using Tomlinisms as the titles of our shows and our programs. And thanks to Neil for agreeing. Neil thought it was a fantastic idea. So this is one of the Tomlinisms. And if you guys have some ideas on some Tomlinism titles that you want to use for the program, shoot them to us. The new standard PGH or it's the no, it's the new standard pod at gmail.com. Email us your Tomlinisms that you might want to use for a title of the program. But this one is called one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. And at the top of the program, we like to talk about news and notes. I think one of the most um, newsworthy things to me, and, and let me see what you think about it, Neil, is Tomlin said, you know, everybody who's healthy is going to play. Um, I don't have much trepidation with that as well. I know a lot of fans out there are barking about, you know, it's just a preseason game. Keep everybody healthy, get the reps and practice, so on and so forth. But I don't have a problem with anybody uh, playing in this third preseason game. Um, I think it's going to be two weeks till the first game. You know, guys need reps. And as you always say, Neil, uh, to be able to play football, you got to play football. Yep. And I, it's funny that this came up in a radio spot that I did yesterday as well in, in regards to um, Aaron Rodgers in New York. You, to, to paraphrase Mike Tomlin, uh, there is value to getting under the stadium lights and seeing who's performing and how they're doing. Um, I think what Tomlin is saying by everyone who's healthy is going to play is they have starting positions they're still evaluating. 
I think you can make the argument um, maybe to some degree you want to see if Broderick Jones versus Dan Moore is something that, that's worth um, getting a closer look at. I think there are opportunities on defense. What are you going to do with Keanu Neal versus Quan Alexander uh, versus your backup safety positions? I, I think they want to move guys in and out and get a sense of who their team is going to be. Now, it doesn't mean that they have to play the entire game. Um, but generally speaking, for the sake of a team that's as young as this one is, that, that's still fairly new among each other, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to make them you know, play football. That, that's their job. I know there's injury risk. Football is not a pain-free sport. It's not an, not an injury-free activity. Those things are going to happen. If you lose a guy in preseason week three uh, versus the first quarter of week one, what's the difference? It could happen either way uh, it is, is the main point. Um, I, I, I understand the idea that you don't want Kenny Pickett getting hurt in the preseason. If that's the only argument you have against anything else that I just said, fine. <laughs> you can have it. Um, he needs reps. He needs to play the game. He needs to throw the ball. There are a lot of things that he still needs to do. He is not a finished product. We are not going to see him go 11 for 15 for 300 yards and four touchdowns in, in the first half of week one. He's not at a point that you can say there's nothing else he needs to work on. Uh, the offense as a whole, we saw them average 15 points a game for half the season last year. They haven't changed that much. It's not, you know, we're not done with this yet. Uh, there are still things that they could work on, and I don't think that a, a drive or two, maybe three, uh, is the worst thing in the world for them right now. And I like the point that you made about Kenny Pickett and his progression. And there is a great article out there by a friend of the program, Doug Farrar, at the Touchdown Wire, does a nice little film study and a film breakdown of Kenny Pickett and how just he's progressing in his second year. It, it's a definite read. Doug does a fantastic job. And big up again to Doug Farrar, friend of the program, Wanted to get your thoughts on the rookie class. And before I do that, Neil, let me give you the grades, the PFF grades, the game two grades. And of course, take these with the grain of salt, limited snaps for some guys. And it's a preseason game. Broderick Jones was in the yellow tier at 58. Joey Porter Jr., 71.1. Darnell Washington, 56.5, yellow tier. Nick Herbig, again, she big's brother, 86.9 as a total PFF rating of 90.7 for the first two games. I see you, she bigs, brother. And last but not least, Spencer Anderson, 63.5 in the gold tier. What's your thought on this rookie class, Big Neil? I think it's fantastic to go into a season with a huge amount of optimism for uh, the class as a whole. This is... For me, in my lifetime, my favorite Steelers class, just because I was familiar with and and really liked every player that they selected. Um, the exception of you know, it not when I say like, I mean it, as a prospect overall. I don't mean that they're going to come in and dominate right away. Joey Porter Jr. is somebody that I criticized a bit uh, as far as a, a, a target for the team. Uh, selecting at 15 overall. I didn't think he was worth that, and the market showed he wasn't worth that. As a second-round pick, uh, I, yeah, I like it. He's got work he needs to do, but I like the overall makeup of what he has. Broderick Jones has as much potential as any player in the draft. Very well could end up being among the best players taken in the draft. 
but it was going to be development. He needed snaps. He needed time to work. He's getting that now. Uh, the results haven't been great, and I'm not surprised by that. I, I, I want to see progression out of him. I, I think we're going to get that. Darnell Washington is one of my favorite players I've ever seen just because I love the guy. Um, Nick Herbig is a guy I'm close to the University of Wisconsin. I knew what he was able to do. He is above and beyond what I thought uh, he would end up being. Um, it, it, he's got an advanced uh, uh, pass rush. I mean, you, you don't see the, the top guys, the top edge players don't use their hands as well as he does. The way that he uh, attacks in balance, he sets tackles up. He's having the success that he's having. And granted, it's you know oftentimes against scrub nobodies who won't be there. But he beat Deion Dawkins. He's a two-time Pro Bowler for the Bills. He's not a joke. He's not Dan Less. He's, he's a, a high-end veteran tackle. Herbig beat him. Flat out beat him. Um, yeah. Herbig, yeah. He's, he is much better than I thought that he would be as a pro. And I, I think, oddly enough you know, he arguably was in the wrong defense in the wrong position in college. You know, imagine if he's playing uh, in, as a, a stand-up edge rusher uh, at the collegiate level. He'd destroy guys in college with some of the moves that he made. Uh, we have to be very excited about that, in my opinion. Spencer Anderson, um, the real question with him, is he enough to uh, look to, to expunge the roster of Kevin Dotson in his $3.9 million salary? Um, that that's a, a valid argument. I'm not sure. I think at this point, I'd probably rather just keep Dawson, uh, keep Dotson, uh, for the sake of depth. I don't think Anderson's a guy that's going to get picked up off of waivers, but you never know. Uh, definitely something to watch. I could see that going either way, but we saw great things out of this rookie class and we can look at uh, their PFF grades and say good, bad or whatever, but you watch them play to play snap to snap. We're seeing good things from all of them uh, to, yeah, to some degree. Definitely. Definitely. I agree. I mean, when I'm watching this class and I'm watching the games, I'm not going, oh, I don't know if that cat can play. Like, I'm not saying that as my eye test grade with any of these guys. I'm looking at these guys and going, huh, they might have something here, that they've got a very solid class. And I think you couple that with the fact that you have your starting quarterback under a rookie salary and you bring in free agents. I think what you see right now and I think the big reason for the optimism for the Pittsburgh Steelers is that the roster looks very much improved. They look like they absolutely have that D word in a lot of positions on this roster. And that D word being depth. You have depth on the offensive line. Now you have depth at the outside linebacker position when last year you didn't. Now you've got four pass rushers. Riddle me that. I mean, when's the last time you've had four quality pass rushers on this team from the outside linebacker position. So I think this class is complementing what this roster was, making it better, as well as the free agent stuff. And I'm very excited because I'm thinking we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a, a, a talent makeover uh, for this team. Because, I mean, the last two years, I mean, we've aggressively said that we didn't think that this team was very talented. And I think when you look at this rookie class, you're starting to think that this is a good roster and that if certain things pan out, that this is a roster that compete. Now I want to jump to the title of the program. One man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. And I chose that Tomlinism to talk about the issue at running back 
with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. Now, there's been a lot of discussion in Steeler Nation about who is back one. Is it 1A, 1B? Who's the better player? Should Jalen Warren be the guy that's starting? So on and so forth. What's your thought in general about the running back position, the two players, and just what's your feeling overall about it? I I understand why this question is being asked the way that it is. Um, I would say this. I, I think you need to evaluate the two players um, irrespective of where they were drafted and the emotional attachment that fans have to one over the other. If we look at them, nameless gray faces, what we really see is two pretty comparable backs. Um, I see 30 being, uh, he's got better burst. He's got better uh, uh, straight line speed. I see 22 as, oh my God, he's number 22, isn't he? 30 is Warren. Yeah. And 22 is Harris. Right, 22. Okay, that caught me for a second when I said that. I see 22 as a bigger back. Uh, better fundamentally, wastes a little less movement when he's engaged in what he's doing. Um, it, for me, it comes down to, to, to vision. I'm not exactly sure Najee Harris has NFL-level vision, and that, that that's a major concern. And to be honest with you, uh, I didn't necessarily see that lack of vision when he was at Alabama, but it was absolutely a concern of mine because you don't need vision at Alabama to gain yards. And Najee gained yards. He's not a breakaway player, though. So you're getting a, a plodding running back in college. He's not going to improve upon that in the pros. We've seen the best of Najee Harris's big play ability. And don't argue with me. It's not there. Okay? He is not a big-time back. Just because he rushed once for 10 yards and you were really excited about it does not mean that he is a big-time playmaker. He's simply not. He's a grinder. And He's that's why his numbers are where they are. And everyone wants to, to, to point out that Jerome Bettis had 3.9 yards uh, per carry over the course of his career. Jerome Bettis was a short down or short yardage player for the last three years of his career. It drug those numbers down. Harris, offensive line, offensive coordinator, whatever you want to blame, all of these things are the same factors that are involved with Jalen Warren. Why does Jalen Warren have better numbers? Because he is a better a, a breakaway player. He is a more explosive player. You have to weigh both of those things into account. If you want three yards, give Najee Harris the ball. If you want five yards, Najee Harris is going to get you three yards. Does Jalen Warren get you five? I don't know. I'm not saying that Jalen Warren is an all-pro player either. I'm just saying that we might be looking at really, you know, two running backs who are going to be compared, compared favorably or not to each other for a while, and neither of them might be any good compared to their peers. So to me, there's no, in a vacuum, there is no particular reason to give the, to plan to give the ball to Harris two or three times as often as Warren. There just isn't. I agree. If that's what I, you want to do, okay. You know, there are lots of different things that are going to come into play, but you cannot say objectively Najee Harris is 10, 15% better than Jalen Warren is. And Najee Harris is more experienced and was a first-round pick. Jalen Warren just made it through his second training camp and was undrafted. The fact that this argument even exists 
goes to show why people have a problem with Najee Harris. And I, yes. I'm not I'm not trying to bash the guy. I'm not saying he's right. a bad player. I'm just saying that it didn't seem very hard for them to identify uh, a, a, an asset on the market at one what one fiftieth the price who can perform very comparably. Tell this to Saquon Barkley. Tell this to to Jonathan Taylor. Every running back who thinks that they're they're somehow being conspired against, I'll show you Jalen Warren. Why was Jalen Warren not drafted? Because he's 5'8". Beyond that, he's just as, he, he, he is in most ways basically on the same level as Najee Harris, who was a first-round draft pick. Imagine the difference between a first-round drafted quarterback and an undrafted quarterback, not named Brock Purdy, not playing in Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Show me that. Tell me that there's not a massive difference between them. There is. Every other position, that's true. Except yeah, I was gonna, running back. I was going to say your guy, Brock Purdy. But and hey, I think, you know what? We will revisit this conversation about Brock Purdy at the midway point of the year. Okay, I hope we I, revisit we will, it. we will revisit this conversation. He is not going to get away with that forever. Right? Yeah, I hope. I, Kyle Shanahan's very good, and he has a, a an excellent set of weapons around him, and he's doing exactly what he should be doing. But it ain't going to last forever. Okay. Yeah, I hope they're, we they're revisited uh, the second quarter of week one. I hope he gets exposed. But the fun one thing I want to pick, you know, at what you said when I was listening, is five plus three equals eight. If Warren gets five, Najee gets three and a half, four, that's nine. You get one more, you get a first down. I say that to say a running back room in this NFL is a sum of its parts. I mean, very few teams now have the star running back that carries the ball 80% of the time, where you have that one bell cow guy. Uh, I know Mike Tomlin likes to do that, but I think that age is over. I think you have a nice complement between the two. You know, you could call them peanut butter and jelly. You can call them chocolate and peanut butter. I think there's a nice combination of the two. And I think when you add the two together, you get the maximum value out of them. And I think when you add the two together, I think it answers the question, can you punish light boxes and shell coverage? A ton of shell coverage that you're going to see. You're going to see a ton of combination of cover two, cover four, cover six because of Pickens' ability to get vertical. Can you punish those light boxes with this combination, I think you can. But to your point, Neil, when you look at a guy that's undrafted, I mean, the eye does not lie. I mean, he he clearly, in my opinion, looks like the better player. And the only reason why we have an argument is because of the draft position. That's it. Yep. If, if, if Jalen Warren was a third rounder, no one would have an issue if the distribution of carries was weighted heavily towards Jalen Warren, no one would have an issue. And so I think at the very minimum, Jalen Warren with his performance over last year and in this preseason has proven that he has to be a part of the game plan. If the game plan calls for a certain number of carries in the run game, it can't be tilted three quarters Najee one quarter Jalen Warren. It has to be whoever gives us the best re, uh, possibility to win this game is the guy that's going to get the carries. 
If we could punish a team with Jalen Warren in this game, sure. If we could do it with Najee, sure. It can't be, in my opinion, because this guy is a first-rounder, he has to get the bulk of the carries. I think we see right now that uh, one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. Let's get into that, though. The, the idea of Najee punishing a defense as some kind of a, a correlation with offensive success and winning games. Simply not true. We know that. That's the reason uh, running backs have been devalued. You don't punish a defense. You punish the running back. So eventually the running back is going to get yeah. hurt. If that's your entire plan, then what's going to happen when he gets hurt? And don't, don't tell me he's not going to. They get hurt literally all the time. Your quarterback rarely gets hurt. Your receivers rarely get hurt. I know that that happens, but look around the league. On a per-snap basis, the running backs go down far more often than, they, than, than any other skill position does. So your plan is to eventually make your plan invalid. That doesn't seem like a good idea to me. This is partially why... Uh, the, the, the spread offense and, and the concepts associated with it have taken over in the NFL because you can have a ball-controlled offense, a possession-oriented offense in much higher percentage situations with far less damage to the parts that make that work. Antonio Brown was arguably uh, uh, not only one of the best wide receivers in team history, one of the best running backs in team history. If Ben saw numbers on one side, I know everyone blames Todd Haley for this, Ben checked out of whatever play it was and threw the ball to Brown with a blocker in front of him. Why? Because that's going to get him four or five yards minimum. And Brown has the ability to take everything he catches to the house. Find a guy like that. They, they could use one right now. But it, as far as the running backs themselves go, I think the reason that th this is such an important question in Pittsburgh is because they want to get the ball to their running backs. And I don't, I, I, I've never been on board with that. I don't think that it's really all that value adding to what they're trying to do. I agree. I, I would hope they can use uh, Deontay Johnson, who is an excellent short field receiver. Um, George Pickens over the top, who also is developing uh, inside moves, as we've seen this, this preseason. Looks pretty decent doing it. Um, they have a, a, a high-level tight end that can catch the ball anywhere on the field. Use this to supplant a running game. You don't need to get into a running back controversy because, frankly, running back controversies is, is so 1990s. Bill Parcells <laughs> isn't calling your team anymore. You don't win games that way, okay? It, it's For me, it, it's, Neil, we're, we're, arguing, we're arguing the results of the wrong question, and that, that's my biggest concern with this team this season. Think about it, Neil. Isn't that apropos for Pittsburgh, though? Isn't it very apropos for uh, Pittsburgh, one of the last bastion cities and fan bases of the running game, where you still have a, a large portion of the fan base uh, that's at an age where three yards in a cloud of dust running the ball 50 times a game to win games 13 to 10 is a plausible, reasonable strategy. But I want to switch reels real quick. And just get your game, your observations from game two before we jump into really quickly what you're looking for in game three. What was your thoughts uh, in game two about game two, the performance overall? Um, I, I thought, I think that the biggest thing for me was the, the miscategorization of Jalen Warren's run and not to, to try to continue hammering the same point home. 
Um, that was, I, I feel just off the top of my head, probably the best executed Steelers running play we've seen in years. It was you know absolutely perfect. They could you know not what have it, drawn that up any better. You know what it made me think of before you get back to your point uh, was the counter play uh, that they were running against Cincinnati with Le'Veon Bell yeah, when they kept killing them. <laughs> that's what, that's could what not made me stop think. that play. They could not stop it at all. <laughs> that, was, that was power, and they ran a bunch of power back yeah. there, another concept in the NFL that doesn't exist anymore. Um, they executed it perfectly, and Buffalo was, was in the exact wrong defense to really defend that. Uh, Jalen Warren probably contributed less on that play than, than anybody else in the offense did, to be honest. And I'm not trying to rip Jalen Warren, but um, it, it really wasn't anything to do with him. He, he read the play the way that he should have read the play, but phenomenal job up front. Um, we're seeing more and more of that coming out of the offensive line. They're not all going to be that easy, but uh, at the same time, too, it, it, you know, a great 15-yard run turns into a, a, a phenomenal 60-yard run when your free safety completely blows the, the angle like Jordan Poyer did Jordan Poyer look up his PFF grade. I'm just curious because Jordan Poyer got whipped in that game really did not look very good for Buffalo. Buffalo didn't play particularly well. Um, no, they were terrible. That's, that's not the Steelers problem. Um, I'm just not, I, I I've said this all off season. I'm not going to look at results uh, as the basis of whatever feeling I get coming out of a preseason game. The Steelers executed very well. Uh, whether they, they scored 40 points or not, they executed very well. Um, I, that makes me excited. The offensive line saw what it needed to see, uh, did a great job. Herbig stood out for me defensively more than anybody else by far just because it, it's, it's amazing what he's doing. Um, if they're not trying and he is, that's not his problem. He's getting the job done the way that he needs to. Um, it was brought up earlier. Yeah, he's, he's going to get swallowed up in the run game. We know that. He's not going to play, uh, barring injury, um, it, on, on defense on Sundays, I don't think anyway. But what a great base for him to start developing. We saw Joey Porter for the first time. That was probably the easiest interception he's ever, ever made in his career. But you know what? He played it perfectly, did exactly what he was supposed to do. Um, you remember when Matt Barkley was good? He was a, a, a USC guy, yeah, so I, I imagine you hated him, right? And, and, you remember know, when people thought for, he was good? Yeah. God, and he was terrible. <laughs> modern day high school played at the same place as uh, Bryce Young. Should have been great. Um, not. Well, he's you know, a backup for 10 years. Uh, probably more of a fraud than anything else. Uh, he didn't play well. Buffalo didn't play well. Pittsburgh executed uh, the way that they should have. I think we saw a lot of good performances and a lot of reason to think this is a confident – uh, improving team and we should see them perhaps start a little bit better this season than they have the last two. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, going into this last one, if everyone's going to play, you know, it's more reps, more opportunity to watch guys um, get out there and compete, see what they're able to do. Um, I, I, I'm excited for that. I think it, it's, it's been a great preseason, you know, for whatever that's worth. And it isn't much. Uh, you may as well do well while you're there. And I, I think yeah. that's what they've done. Yeah, if you're going to play the games, you might as well play them to the best of your ability. Again, want to give a big shout out to Double H for the contribution to the program. Thank you for that. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to the program. You're listening to The New Standard. One man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. A quote from Charlie Batch is how I want to kind of frame the game that I saw. In the broadcast, Charlie Batch said, six plays to get to the end zone. I like it. 
And that's what I'm liking about uh, this preseason. It was is 12 that, plays. He would have liked that too. You know, it's, 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 um, probably doesn't give you anything objective. <laughs> you know, he doesn't. And, and so it's just the explosiveness that we're seeing uh, on the offensive side of football. You're seeing Calvin Austin third, special teams, great return. Uh, yeah, it, it, another perfectly executed play. All, all due respect to Calvin Austin. They blocked that up like a son of a bitch. I, that, that was phenomenal. <laughs> you watch it, hat on hat everywhere. That lane was enormous. Um, yeah, so. With all due respect, uh, uh, Anthony McFarland could have returned that the way Austin did. You know, I, I'm not taking anything away, but we, we, <laughs> no. this is why we don't look at results. You know, look at the way that they blocked the play up. It's not – that wasn't Austin. That was the team. Um, and it's fun to see. We saw great execution in three phases. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Najee would have got seven yards on that. No, anyway. Maybe. But um, to, to, let me just jump into would, the comment. Najee wouldn't have seen it. <laughs> would have missed the hole somehow. Stevie Wonder. He would have wondered where it was. Uh to big up the double H, he says, shoot, we ought to try trading both Green and Dotson as a package for a takeaway barbecue dinner for the whole lot. Why people think that <laughs> offensive linemen who aren't going to make a team get traded all the time. <laughs> they really don't because <laughs> nobody uh, nobody is giving up assets for the right to pay Kevin Dotson $3.9 million. They're just not doing that. They're going to let him be cut, and it, it, somebody's going to sign him. Um, at worst, practice squad spot somewhere help, and maybe maybe with the Steelers, but nobody's going to pay him that money. Um, they they yeah. kept him around just for the sake of injury because you never know. They signed Nate Herbig to just a shade north of of his contract to be the backup, or so we thought at the time. Then they signed Siamalu to a, a high level starter contract. Herbig is the backup. It's not Dotson. They can't both make the same amount of money. It's just think of it logically. Yeah, they're not they can't. They can't. That. Yeah, they, they Dotson's can't. not going to make the team. Okay, I would like Dotson to be on the team for the sake of depth because you never know. But uh, you know, from an economics point of view, it makes no sense to keep him at that salary. Cut him and see if you can bring him back. If you want to try anything, yeah. he's yeah. probably not going to want to come back. Somebody else will pay him a little north of the minimum. Um, that that's not what the Steelers are probably going to sign him for either. They can keep Anderson if that's the case. That's why they drafted him. He's a cheap yeah, option. I agree. Um, things are bad if Siamalu and Herbig go down anyway. You can't pay for that situation, though. You can't insure that. No, the salary no, you cap can't. no, you, you got to pay no. a backup quarterback a lot of money. You got to there, there's production issues among your running backs. You've got three receivers. Excuse me, two receivers signed on on veteran contracts. Um, you're you're young in a lot of spots. There are only so many positions that you can rightfully afford. Uh, to to back up at a higher price, and that's Dotson. It's just a numbers game with him more than anything. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, hell, if you run out of food at your house, you go shopping. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, if you run out well, of food, let's, we'll go back, edit everything I just said. Just <laughs> just go with that. That's it. <laughs> you go shopping and get some groceries. Yep. In terms of game three, I'm just looking for more of the same, and I'm hoping that guys get out healthy. And particularly, I'm looking to see if Kenny Pickett continues this preseason of great play again i urge you guys to go to touchdown wire take a look at doug farrar's article on kenny pickett it's outstanding it's an outstanding breakdown of where kenny is and how he's progressing also do your homework take a look at siamalu take a look at him play i thought he was fantastic in the game i thought he was he was just excellent so if you want to do some egghead stuff 
go look at him and go look at how he played. I thought he was fantastic. He's a pro bowler this year, guaranteed. Stays healthy, he's a pro bowler this year. I thought he was fantastic. This offense, and he's a really, really good player. A lot of fun to watch him. Definitely, definitely great. But with that, listeners, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. Enjoy preseason game three. Always support the program with a like and a subscribe. And with that, we're going to get on out of here. So please like and subscribe. Enjoy the program. Tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.